Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Christopher Melcher, a partner at Walzer Melcher. Christopher, welcome. Well, thanks for having me on the show. I, I really appreciate you uh, allowing me to speak. And I I, I just love this topic uh, uh, and also just learning the business side of law. So this this is I could talk all day about this. Stuff. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear you, uh, to, to, to have you on the show this morning because you're kind of a celebrity and you work with a lot of celebrities in the family law space, but I know it wasn't always that way. So before we get into all the celebrity stuff you do, tell us how you got started. Sure. And that's, I, I think it's important because the I've been practicing law now, I think 27 years. And it's always hard when you see lawyers who are successful and just like, wow, okay, they just, you just born that way or started that way. And no, I, I don't think that's true for, for any of us. And when I started out uh, in 1994, the economy was in the tank. And uh, all the dream jobs that I thought I would have were not available. And not even the public defender's office was hiring. Nobody was hiring. So I went out as a solo, you know, no staff. I mean, I for the first two years, I practiced in the bedroom of my parents' house because I was trying to save money to buy a home. I didn't want to be a renter. So for the first two years as a lawyer... I roll out of bed in my little room and there was a desk and that was law offices of Chris. So that's how I started. And it was it was a roller coaster to get to where I am now. You know, it was it was a lot of work, you know, and, and I wish that I had help of somebody like yourself from the beginning, because I just figured, hey, I went to law school. I'm going to learn the law. I'm going to do well in court and people will just come to me. And it really wasn't until... I had been a lawyer for about 10 years that I realized the business of law and that we're, we're not just doing this as an art, that this is a business that we're operating for profit. And then I finally got help from a coach and that turned it around for me. And gee, I wish I would have done that from day one. Well, that's, that's awesome to hear, Christopher. And take me through that process of working with that coach. What were some of the the breakthroughs or the aha moments or changes that they were able to help you make? So the it was really helping to focus, and it's still something that I struggle with a bit now because once, uh, you know, and I think a lot like a lot of lawyers, we, we just dive into something, we're passionate about it, we just want to own it, we want to do everything. And what this coach had helped me with is to understand being more intentional like, okay, I'm not going to speak at every conference. I'm not going to join every committee. I'm not going to write every article, which is what I was just trying to do is just push a lot of content, meet a lot of people. And he was trying to slow me down uh, to say, hey, why are you doing this? And what, how much time is it going to take you to do this? And what do you expect to get in return for it? 
And what is your overall plan? How does this fit your plan? Because before I, and I, I, I'm still guilty of this, honestly, but I use the shotgun approach and just like, well, I'm just going to do everything and hope that something sticks. But we're all very busy. And every moment that we spend on marketing, business development, whatever you're going to call it, is moment that you can't spend billing and more importantly, moments that you can't spend with your family, friends, or doing a hobby. Absolutely. Attorney entrepreneurs, I hope you heard that, uh, what Christopher was saying, because he is spot on. Um, you know, time is, and you've heard me say this in the podcast over and over again, time is your most precious asset. You can't get more of it. You can't save it up. And it just goes. Uh, and so with that in mind, marketing is an investment. It's an investment of time. It's an investment of money. And you need to get a return on that investment. And so speaking of marketing, I know Christopher, if you could tell us a little bit about your firm and, and what you've grown to now and how you were able to use media to fuel some of that growth. Sure. So I practice uh, in the area of family law. So I'm, I'm handling uh, large divorce cases in California. So these are people who are who are fighting over lots of money and their kids and they can't solve their problems on their own. And so I'm sitting there litigating those cases at the trial and appellate level. We have uh, nine lawyers at the moment, plus staff are based in Los Angeles, but I do handle cases statewide. And it's it's been a great practice. I never thought I would go into family law. I wanted to do corporate securities law when I got out of law school, but it just wasn't happening for me. And I kind of fell into this because when I had my finally got my office, the guy down the hall from me, Peter Walzer, was a solo divorce lawyer, and he had a niche practice of kind of representing some wealthier folks. He's 15 years older than I am. And he, you know, and I got to know each other and he was looking to bring on an associate at that time. And fortunately, I was open to the idea. I was doing criminal defense at that moment and struggling with it. And luckily, I had the openness of mind to say, hey, I will look at this other practice area. And I am so glad that I did because it's a very profitable area. But more importantly, you can't get bored doing family law because we have everything involved in a, in a divorce. And um, and we have a lot of client contact that you don't get in, in other practice areas. So it's a really good thing. And so that was my, you know, kind of evolution as a lawyer. And then um, looking at getting my message out. And I've done, and what's worked the best for me is more hand-to-hand marketing, which is, um, you know, going to speak at conferences. So I would do continuing legal education for other lawyers who were actually my best referral source. So I've spoken at over 200 CLE events. I've written books and articles on family law. I've joined a bunch of family law committees, and then I go to all the family law events and networking. And that's primarily how I brought in my business. But I realized that I need to get my message out there to a wider audience. The hand-to-hand is very powerful because you're building a relationship with somebody who knows about you, trusts you, is going to refer to you, but then also you really got to get known more. And that's where I would look to traditional media. And when I was a younger lawyer, I remember seeing these talking head lawyers on on the news, uh, you know, kind of breaking down legal stories. And I thought, gee, I would like to do that. But I was too young. I was inexperienced. I didn't know what I was doing. So I said, maybe one day. And that's another mistake that lawyers make. We always say, and I, and when I'm coaching or mentoring folks, 
It's always, well, you know, I got to get my resume built. Maybe in 10 years I will do. No, it, 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 it's you can do that right out the gate and you will build your resume doing that, but it's you're, you can't hold yourself back. So I held myself back for a while and eventually said, okay, I'm going to do this and then started pitching media stories for network news um, on legal issues, trending legal issues or, or breaking news. And, you know, it, it's taken a long time, but there is also a good payoff from it. And Christopher, you know, a couple of things you said there that really stood out to me is you kind of hesitated for a little bit, but then you just went for it. You didn't take necessarily all the time in the world to get it perfect. You realized that you had to take action now and that you would, you know, things would get better and better the more that you did them. Um, but how did you actually start or how does one uh, get started as a source in media? Sure. So there's there's various ways to do that. Some are more expensive than others. Uh, the the first that I started was with a publicist, and um, because I just wanted to get it kickstarted, and so I I had noticed in my practice a lot of people breaking up on Valentine's Day, and because it's very hard to hide an affair, you know, honey, I got to work late tonight. So there's breakups that happen around that day. So. Uh, earlier in the year, I said, you know, hey, I'm going to start pitching this story and maybe that's a legal trend that they could do on a Valentine's Day news show. And so we pitched it and it went nowhere, literally got no traction on that story. But one of the people that we pitched it to said, hey, we have this other story. And it was Anthony Weiner, uh, who was a congressman yeah. who got into trouble. And Nightline, which is a national news show, was doing a story on how social media can be used to track or expose an affair. And they needed a legal person to talk about it. And they said, well, hey, I don't like your Valentine's pitch, but I'll take it for that. And so that was one of the lessons that... You can really have this great idea and, you know, pushing it, but they may not like that one, but they may like you for something else. So it's you have to be persistent. So a, a publicist will help, but they're expensive. I think if you're going to start off with this, uh, if I was going to start off with it again, of course, it's easier because I, I know a lot now, but I would just start with Twitter. And because the reporters, the journalists are on Twitter. That's their social media platform of choice. So if you want to start off on this and you have your niche practice, you know breaking legal news stories that you want to talk about, you know trends in your industry that you want to talk about, just start tweeting about it because the journalists will then eventually pick that up, follow them. You could direct message them because you just search for, and I would start as local as possible. So don't go to the big national news outlets because they got a lot of attention. Go to your the most local newspaper, media outlet, local TV show, search on Twitter for producers, writers, journalists at that outlet. Hit them up with a message saying, hey, this is who I am and I have a you know comments about this breaking story or I'm seeing a trend in my industry. Again, they may not like your pitch for that, but they may say, hey, I'm working on something else because they're all working on four or five stories a day. They got to pump out a lot of content. And if you come to them with something on a platter, they may say, "Ooh, I love it. I'll take that. Or they may say, hey, I don't like that, but I am working on this other story and I'm trying to figure this out or I need a a comment for that story, would you give me that? And then you've built a relationship and and that's how I would do it for free. 
That is terrific, Christopher. Thank you for sharing that with us. So attorney entrepreneurs, Christopher has just laid out a very simple blueprint that you can follow using Twitter to get started as a source in media. So Christopher, that was fantastic. So let's fast forward now. Let's say an attorney has now built that relationship. They've had some coverage. They're really excited about it and they're and they're really happy. Um, and they've sent that all out to you know their social media channels. How do they leverage it from there? Sure. So one other point, uh, warning, I would say on this. This is uh, not for the faint of heart because you, you know, you're going to find yourself on live television being asked questions and having to answer them. And so, you know, I like that. I like that adrenaline rush of it. But, you, you know, you have to be you have to like that you have to be a maniac about that. And, you know, or you're going to be on a phone interview. And so your comments are going to be taken and put out there. And so it's it's you really got to think quick and, and accurately. And the other thing is you got to kind of drop everything because these reporters are following all these stories and they got deadlines they got to push out. So they're getting in front of the story because a day later, it's it's not news anymore. So this is something that I've had to learn is that, you know, I got to drop everything, cancel appointments, you know, whatever to respond to this reporter. So if you say I'll get back to you tomorrow, you might as well just say no. So that's the investment part of it. Now the leverage part of it. So say you, you've done this and now you've got on your local TV show. Now, don't expect the phone to ring. That's another fallacy. You think like, hey, I was on the news and all of a sudden a phone's going to ring. A phone will not ring. Maybe your mom or your buddy or somebody's going to say, hey, I saw you on the news. So that's pretty cool. You'll feel good about that, but it's not going to bring you in business from the live episode. The leverage comes from the tape of it or the reprint of it. So if it's a, a, a live TV show, you're going to get a clip. You can either order it or they may put it up on their website already. So you get the clip and then you share that over social media because the people listening live, they don't care who you are. They care about the story. So they're not, they're not really paying attention to your name or who this is irrelevant. They want to know the story. But once you have the clip, now you have video of you speaking which you can now use for all different kinds of purposes. So you can put it on your website. You can, you can put it on your social media and push it out there. And um, that's super important because your audience that already knows you um, now needs to be reminded like, hey, you're still out there doing business. You're, you're still a great lawyer. They may have forgotten about you because they haven't talked to you in a couple months, but now you have a reason to connect with them to saying like, hey, I was on this news uh, story. Check this out about, you know, this story, whatever, you know, you're not doing it in a boastful way, you're kind of pushing the story, but the hidden message is, hey, I was on the news. I'm a thought leader in this industry. It, it's a very good thing to connect you with that legal story. And um, it's instant credibility. So the moment you're on the news, even though, honestly, it's not that hard to get on the news, it's instant credibility because they're going to think, oh, well, they vetted you because you must really know what you're talking about. So you have, you're, you're now pushing that out on your social media, you're pushing it on your webpage, you're pushing it on your newsletters, so you're getting all different kinds of uses out of it. And where I think that the power is not only just of, of that to remind your already present audience of referral base, it's for potential clients. The power that I'm seeing here is to is the more that we can think like a potential client, the more likely it is that we are going to be on message for those folks. So if you would imagine what it would be like 
if you knew no lawyers and you knew nothing about some area of law, but you had to hire yourself, you know, you had to hire the lawyer that did your practice area. Just go on Google and start searching as if you know nothing about this and see what you're going to come up. And you're going to see competitors of yours that probably maybe aren't very good lawyers, but how would the potential client know that? You're going to see maybe lawyers that you're going to be like, wow, that person is really a good specialist. That's who I would hire. But their bio just says, this is where I went to college, law school, and you know how long I've been practicing. It tells you nothing. But what, what is more powerful is, is if you went to that bio and there was a video of them speaking, now as the potential client, I would say, wow, okay, this is somebody who I would want speaking for me in court because they're really articulate. I'm not going to have to waste time to go pay for a consult and arrange it to see that this person may know what they're doing as a lawyer, but they're not a good spokesperson for me. So the video has all of that data in there for free for your audience to see, hey, hire me. Um, and barely people are doing that. So it's extremely powerful. And every interview that you do, you're going to get a video clip of this. So you can then amass a lot of web presence as a result. When people are checking you out, they see all this, a lot of credibility. And then also the newsprint media, you'll have that blasted out there too. So that's where the power is. It's not from the live performance of the, of the news thing. It's from the after effects of it and the sharing of that um, clip. Yes, the the social proof element of that is huge, particularly if you've built up a half dozen or more of those. It's really hard to argue and, and think to yourself, oh, this attorney doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> you've got a whole page of news videos where they've been speaking on and, and brought in as an expert. And that is the thing. When they bring an attorney on, it's positioning the attorney as the expert. Um, and so I love how you're digging into that. And one of the things that I hear a lot from, from attorneys is, oh, you know, this reporter... Um, they just don't, they don't care, right? They just want to talk to me and they want to use me up for like five minutes and then, and then they're just on to the next thing. There's reasons for that. There's reasons for that approach. Tell me a little bit about uh, relationships and their importance in this process. We've seen uh, reporters who cover legal stories. So there's, there's beat reporters who, who specialize in legal stories. There's some reporters who just handle the U.S. Supreme Court, you know, and then there's the local reporter that might do all kinds of stuff just because they're so local. But there's, there are some that just follow legal stories, and those are the ones that you want to get to know. And, yeah, the relationship, it's not like, you know, I'm going out to drinks with these people or something like that. The relationship is, is that... I deliver um, when I say I'm going to. That's the one of the main things is that if they reach out to me, I'm going to get back to them. If I say, hey, I will get you my written comments in 15 minutes or I'm going to be on a Zoom link in 30 minutes, I show up. So that's super important because if you flake on them, you're never going to get a call back. And then the second part of it is being accurate because these reporters are under tremendous pressure. They don't have the budget and editorial staff that they used to. So they're going on a limb listening to you. And so if you give information that's inaccurate, um, it's going to need to be corrected later if it's discovered. And now with, with social elements around these stories is that they'll put it on YouTube and they'll get a lot of commentary and people will correct it and say, hey, your speaker was wrong. So they, you got to be accurate. And then the other part is to be 
you know, neutral. I mean, you, you're probably going to be skewed a bit to saying, hey, I, this is my take on the story, but you also want to be balanced because most of these, these outlets want to be balanced. So it's really cultivating that and basically saying like, hey, you may not have a story or need for me now, but I'm available to you and reminding it. And that's where the Twitter comes feed comes into it because they're following you. They may have no need for you for a month, but the fact that you're tweeting regularly on breaking legal news subjects, that reminds them, oh, you're a good source for this type of area. Maybe it's personal injury law, whatever it is, you're the source for that. And then when they have the need for that, they'll search their Twitter feed and your name will come up and that's how it works. But it th- we call this earned media for a reason, because you don't really pay for it. You earn it through all of this sweat equity that we're just going through rather than paid media, which would be, you know, the billboard or Google ads, that kind of stuff. You know, there's, there's very little work involved, but lots of money here. There's very little money involved in terms of investment, but a lot of work. Um, but you cannot buy the credibility that you get from being on the news. Absolutely. I wanted to take, I want to, uh, take the conversation back to something you said earlier when you said, Christopher, this is not for the faint of heart because you're going to have to think on your feet. They're going to ask you questions live. You're going to have to respond live. And I could kind of hear some of the attorney entrepreneurs who are listening to this saying, oh my gosh, I don't really want to do this. This is not for me. So I know though, it doesn't have to necessarily be that way because you can maybe prepare for the interview beforehand. So if you could take us through how you get prepared for these interviews. Sure. And, and it's, it's a fair point because I, I uh, look, I mean, I went to law school just like everybody else, but I didn't get any communications classes in law school. I mean, I did moot court, but that's about it. So um, I had to learn this and I got training. So I went to a communications coach. They, um, you know, had me get up on my feet and just start talking random stuff. And they had me on a tape and they play it back. And it's, it's rough. It's really rough listening to yourself <laughs> on tape. It's embarrassing, honestly. And, uh, you know, it's like, okay, where are your eyes going to look? What are you doing with your hands? Are you moving around a lot? Which is hard. If you're doing that on, on video, it's very distracting. So you got to kind of sit still. What are you going to, where are you going to look at the camera? Are you going to look at the interviewer? There's a lot of filler words that I'm still trying to get out of my vocabulary, but the uh-huh and you knows and likes you got to get rid of all those things. Um, so it's it's an art, and and you gotta you gotta learn that stuff. And and the more that you do, uh, the better you will look and and uh, sound on on television. So that's that's a whole skill on its own that I've spent time and I'm still learning. Um, so, but it, you're not, it's not innate. You're, you're not born with this stuff. So it, it's, it's something that's definitely learned. Uh, but again, it's an investment in yourself and it pays off because that, because I have done all of that work, live television, been asked all these questions, I can now do this so much better in court. So even if I got not an ounce of benefit from the media interviews, when I'm in court, I'm more articulate, um, you know, I mean, because I'm I'm presenting at a much higher level than I was before, much more aware of my words and my gestures than I was before. So I think even looking at it at that angle, you want to be the best advocate in the world if you're a litigator or if you're in a business meeting. I mean, you just we make a lot of generalizations about people, about how they look and speak and talk. You know, the, the, you cannot go wrong 
uh, putting yourself to that test. I, I can't agree more. Uh, presentation skills are so useful in so many ways. I always joke uh, until back in high school, I was in, you know, I was in drama club and I was on stage. And I always joke that that was the most valuable part of high school for me. It wasn't the math or the science or the English or any of that. Any of that. It was getting up on stage and being able to perform in front of an audience. So I hear you when you say that presentation skills are incredibly helpful. And congratulations, Christopher, on the firm that you and your partner have built uh, to have so many attorneys started from you know, as a solo to have gotten to where you are today. What excites you about Walls or Melcher? Well, you know, it's that's tough. I think, it. you know, I'm 53. I, I've, um, you know, could could work a lot longer in this career if I choose to, but it, it kind of gets old. And I think that's where I'm getting distracted uh, with these things that I'm more passionate about, which is the media interview. So I'm, I've, before I was just speaking on family law divorce stuff and I was trying to stay in my lane because I didn't want to confuse anyone as like, why is this guy talking about a murder case? Well, now I will talk about a murder case because I, I have to learn about it. So I'm going to, you know, speak intelligently about it. So it's a lot more work, but you know, there's just not that many stories in that one industry that you work in. So that's where I broadened it. And I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe going forward, um, you know, maybe I will just do media work um, entirely and just get out of being a lawyer um, or just handle very select cases. So things have changed for me because I guess it's I've done it. I've done the trials. I've done the appeals. Um, handled every type of case that I wanted to handle. And I, I still like being a lawyer, but it's, it definitely has changed for me. And what I'm trying to learn is to do things that I'm, I want to do because for all these other years that I've been working, especially the last 10 or 15 years, it's just been a total grind. And, you know, being interrupted during dinners and weekends with my family to take calls and or having to get called back to work, um, the pressure of handling these large cases, having so many mouths to feed is definitely um, made it not as fun. Um, but financially, it's it's been fantastic because of the leverage. I think if if I was just to go back and do it myself, I I could make a good living. But this is two or three times what I could make doing it on my own because I'm leveraging off of uh, the other attorneys in the office. Right. And hopefully as you know, the firm continues to grow, that will give you even more of an opportunity to focus on the media presentation work that you're currently, you're currently doing. And so tell me a little bit more about uh, the media presentation work that you're doing right now. So, what I, I spent a lot of time with the uh, Free Britney movement and, and her conservatorship and learning about that. And it, it's um, it's been really rewarding because to see what uh, citizen journalists have done, all of her fans who really dove in deep into the case history and helped break this thing open. And as a result of that, I had um, was uh, talking to you know, a reporter uh, about uh, getting access to these court files. And it's been very difficult to get public access and media access to some of these proceedings. So um, I, I, I was able to file an action on behalf of USA Today that I'm representing that's now being considered as we speak with, with the California Supreme Court to open up media access and public access to these proceedings. 
uh, virtual access, uh, so it's not so difficult. So that's that's a passion project of mine that I may you know kind of pivot into doing more media advocacy work. So not just the commentary, but also advocating uh, for First Amendment uh, rights of free speech and <clears throat> of the press, which is very needed because we we see that there is an audience, there's a need for understanding the legal issues surrounding these big stories. And um, and it's it's very difficult sometimes to get access to that information real time. So that that's something that's of interest to me in terms of my divorce practice. Um, you know, we're just still doing what we do. And it's just big cases and being super selective about the clientele that we take and and just trying to do a great job and grow the firm. And then, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to see other folks here in the firm progress and hope that they would, you know, take it over from me when I'm I'm kind of totally sick of it. <laughs> Terrific. Well, again, congratulations on your success, Christopher. And if someone wanted to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? So if you just um, Google Christopher Melcher, M-E-L-C-H-E-R, you know, all my contact information, everything's going to come up. I've got a YouTube channel that I started recently. So I'm just kind of breaking down um, legal issues on there. So if you're kind of interested, you might want to check that out. And, and also, you know, if, if you're, if you listen to the podcast, you're kind of at a pivot point, you're struggling, you're kind of thinking like, Hey, you're, you're working hard. You got the passion, but it's just something not clicking. Um, um, you know, just, just give me a call. Just let me know. You heard me on the podcast. I'm, I'm happy to share some more thoughts with you because everything that I got was a gift from other lawyers, people who took the time uh, out of their busy schedule to help me. And so I think it's important that, you know, we give that back and support each other because we're, we're all doing the same thing. We all have the same struggles and it's just nice to talk them out. And sometimes it's just the process of talking it out. You hear the answer. And I think working with a coach and I go back to that, like yourself is, is critical because we did not learn this stuff in law school and we're so focused on handling our cases and getting the bills out and doing all that stuff that we forget that we're operating a business. And uh, once that clicked in my mind, it, this, it, I, that's when I became a successful lawyer. Christopher, thank you so much for being on the program today. Growing a law firm, as we talked about, can, can get lonely if it's a small law firm. And the guidance and inspiration you've provided today, I think, will really benefit the attorney entrepreneurs who are listening. So thank you so much. I really appreciate um, your willingness to to offer your guidance to other attorneys. Uh, Everyone, that is Christopher Melcher with Walzer Melcher, high stakes divorce attorney. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom 
you can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.